This is the Desperate Mothers Podcast. Oh my. Check out what these desperate mother are up to this week. Alright, welcome to the Desperate Mothers Podcast. I'm CJ Watson. And I'm Jack Fisher. And we are have just been wasting so much of your time, and I'm kindly... Should I edit that out? You probably should. I was railing against wire foo. Poorly executed wire foo. Or excellently executed wire foo. That is not up to my standards of excellent. Of course, if you ask me to choreograph some wire foo tomorrow, I could probably not do a better job. And put that out there. I think that's the uh, armchair quarterback phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people not not everybody who watches football could play football. Surprisingly enough, most of the people that watch football cannot play football. Yeah, I'd venture to say almost all people. Ninety-nine point nine. Zero percent of the people that watch a football game could not play a football game. I mean, they could play a game and call it football, but it certainly would not look like what they're watching. I would include myself in those 99.9. Definitely. Me too. Maybe when I was big and fat, I could have been on the line. It takes more than mass. It does. It takes training and skill. And everybody played football in school thinks they still have it when they're like 30 years later. <clears throat> so this week in entertainment news, stuff. Yeah, and uh, the the writers are set to possibly go on strike tomorrow. Probably go on strike. Yeah. Well, when they usually vote to ratify a strike, the studios call their bluff, and then everybody pays the price. So we'll see. I'm thinking that they'll go on strike. We'll know tomorrow. I think there's a very high probability of strike. That will have a detrimental effect on... Uh, the industry, parts of our economy. Yes, but do we think it's going to go 100 days like it did last time? No, I don't, I don't think it's going to go that long. But it's all speculation. And what's worse, this is a timely topic, so when we are proven wrong, we can look stupid. <laughs> so let's just end that speculation with saying, we hope nobody has to go on strike and everybody gets what they want. That would be the best for everybody. Yeah, everybody should always get what they want. Unless you're Kim Jong-un. Then you should not get what you want, ever. But I have personal bias- biases. Against child dictators. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of child dictators, we also won't talk about Donald Trump. <laughs> Who, while older than you and I, is still has the mental capacity of a, uh, a child, six-year-old. A child dictator. He's got, the, he's got the mental capacity and hands of a child <laughs> dictator. You got that NSA noob? We said Donald Trump has childlike dictator hands. I'm trying to come up with something funny for that, but no, we'll just let it hang out there. I'm like, you're going to get audited again. So my groundlings writing training continues. So I'm learning to keep my sketches in focus. Not change their worldviews anywhere like mid-sketch. And I've been reading other, you know, how to write books. So excerpts mostly because I haven't read the whole book yet. I won't if I... When I read the whole book, I'll say I read the whole book. Until then, it's just chapters. So which which class are you on? Is this a third class? Uh, with fourth. So we're in fifth, fourth class, we're in fifth week. Fifth week of intro to sketch writing. 
And do you think you're going to take another class with them, or are you going to move on to another? Um, well, we were, we were talking about where we go from here after class. I mean, what can you do? You know, in in, in this entertainment business, the jobs aren't like posted out there and they're not like we need a writer for a television show so come on and be famous you know shows come up and the openings are really word of mouth so it's kind of who you know and it really is a who you know thing so the whole point is to get out there and network 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 and until you're working in the business the only way to network is to take more classes so it's like you should always be taking classes. So it's like the president's pay-for-access policy at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. Yeah, apparently if you pay, what what is it, $300,000 for a membership at Mar-a-Lago, then you too can weigh in on his foreign policy and national policy. You have the ear of the child dictator. You do. All you got to do is join his club. Tell him what big hands he has. He likes it when you squint like it, the handshake hurts. So, um... <laughs> so the writing is going well. I feel like I'm learning a lot. I'm getting a lot of great input. The teacher is funny and genuine. He seems genuinely enthusiastic about everything. Um, and he has tons of great ideas, so we bring in sketches. We work... We pretty much workshop sketches. You know, the class is just not long enough for us to to take a sketch from an idea, write it, rewrite it, polish it, and perform it. That would be the ultimate class. I just don't think there's one out here, even in Hollywood, that's just like that. So there are other classes that, like, you know, Improv and Olympia, and there are other schools. But there's, you know, you just kind of have to Take them all, I guess, until you get where you want to be. Have you registered for any others? No, not yet. Do you think you should register for others? I've been looking at when uh, other ones come out. I I am hesitant to take the improv class because I'm not entirely sure. Okay, one, you can always learn from every class. But I'm not entirely sure improv is where I want to be focusing on my skills, you know. uh, Writing, 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 maybe acting, you know, would make me able to perform my sketches better. Because improv is not necessarily my sketches. Improv might help us in the class when we're reading a sketch for the first time, cold, you know. You know, you you get to decide on a character, a voice, and and maybe I need to do that because I really have a difficult time jumping into a character right away, you know, just like picking one. And I have a tendency to to drop sometimes my accents in mid-accent once I become self-conscious of my accent and how poor it is. I just don't force it. I mean, because you don't get good until you do it for a long time, right? So if you keep dropping it when you realize how bad it is, you'll never get it better. But the also another one of the things that I was learning in class from somebody who was actually writing for television sketch comedy shows is John was telling us on Mad TV that he would he and the cast or and the writers would get together and they'd come up with say 30 sketches for the week and of those 30 sketches maybe 6 to 8 made it to the show and of those 6 to 8 that actually make it on air maybe one was memorable one was good one was like maybe you know one was fall down on the floor funny but people remember that one that's the whole point People remember that funny sketch that you wrote. They don't remember the 30 it takes to get there. And it might not have even been yours that was funny. You might have contributed the best joke or the best character or the best suggestion the the person who wrote the best joke used. But it it is all also a group effort. And, And he said before in the class, you know, you 
put everything out there and see what's funny and see what people connect with. Because if you wait for the perfect sketch, the perfect joke, the perfect line to come to you, you will never do it. You will never write anything. You have to get stuff in the can. You have to write them. You have to shoot them. Yeah, it's a refrain that I think uh, I've heard before. <laughs> if you don't boil the noodles, you can't throw them against the wall, right. and you won't find out what's going to stick. Yeah, time to get those noodles simmering in my brain. Get that noodle simmering. Start with a medium pot of salted water. Mm-hmm. Heat on high. Well, my wall water is very salty. <laughs> add, add the pasta. <laughs> And then fling it against the wall. See what's funny. So that's it, yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the class has been phenomenal. I think I've been able to pull some decent sketches out of turds of ideas. You know, I've been able to extract the finest corn from these turds. <laughs> oh, that's appealing. <laughs> Our whiskey's made from the finest turd corn. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I'm excited. And we've been doing some some of the exercises to to help us work out our sketches. John has taught us some things to think about when we're writing our sketches. And I've already felt like it's helped me. Like, I've already felt like a, a couple of the sketch ideas that I'm going to shoot for the Desperate Mothers channel is going to be infinitely better because of this class. There's only one way we're going to find out. Yeah, shoot those sketches. Get that French onion handy. Handy. Stick a fork in it. <laughs> yes. That is going to be so wild to see <laughs> differing French onion sketches with a onion on a fork and then a real puppet. And then maybe someday when I can dream an animatronic puppet with eyes that blink and a mustache and beret that goes. I'm making hand gestures. At this point, CJ is gesturing with his hands, indicating what might be some sort of mechanism that would articulate the eyebrows or mouth on the French onion. Yes. Did you see the promos that, uh, um, was it Seth, Seth Rogen from, um, the guy from Green Hornet was Seth Rogen, correct? Yes. And he voiced a character in Sausage Party. You ever see the Sausage Party movie? I have not. And it was about food that comes to life, or that has sentience, and they realize that human beings are buying them and eating them. And it's really like a horror movie, but it's a 3D animated movie. Not 3D, but, you know, modern animation, computer animation. Wireframe animation, and he, in in a promo for the movie, he animated fruit and set them in like a Whole Foods. And they had a speaker on it, and they would do the voice, and people would walk by, and someone would operate the puppet remotely, and then he would talk for it, and people would be interacting with like a cantaloupe or something, and they would say inappropriate things. Like, you stole my fucking puppet idea. Or you could interpret it as they've proven your concept. That is funny. Yes. Inappropriate vegetable puppets are funny. (laughs) Well, inappropriate vegetable puppets have always been funny. Yeah, yeah. Jim Henson was so close to to success, he just didn't know it. Yeah, I have not mentioned to, I have not managed to see Sausage Party. Um, I've heard conflicting things about it. It's terrible. 
that's mainly what I've heard. Funny if you're 12. You have to I'm, channel your inner 12-year-old boy. And I'm definitely capable of doing that. There's a surprising sequence at the end that you didn't think they would do. Well, I've probably heard about that also. Yeah. <laughs> so crazy. It really is a movie 12-year-old boys would make. Now, I'm a fan of 12-year-old humor and 12-year-old ideas of what movies should be. I mean, I was a fan of, uh, what was that? Beavis and Butthead? No, the ridiculous movie with Tony Katane in it. Uh, Bachelor Party? No. Something in the land of Yik Yak or... Um, now you're just making stuff up. Pause for IMDb consultation. The Perils of Gwendolyn. And the subtitle of that was... Scrolling, scrolling. In the land of Yik Yak. See, I was not imagining it. Perils of Gwendolyn in the land of Yik Yak. Um, it was a 12-year-old's masturbatorial fantasy. It had naked women pulling chariots. It had Tiny Katane making out with her servant. It had... Which was a girl? Yeah. Cool. And, you know, I've seen the and reaction from... Remember back in the 80s when girls making out with each other was almost taboo? It was pretty taboo. Yeah. This was made in 84. And girls in our generation don't like to make out with each other. Well, not for the spectacle for you to watch. I don't know why else they would do it. So, big fan of Did Gwendolyn. Did you buy it? Um, I actually might have that on DVD, yeah. I'm pretty sure I do. I don't think I have it on Blu-ray. I don't think it's out on Blu-ray. Um, as I mentioned in the conversation the other night, uh, I've been watching a few episodes of the uh, epic space adventure, Lex. Yes. Another example of... 12-year-old humor. 12-year-old... Well, I wouldn't call it humor. 12-year-old's... Sensibilities? Sensibilities, yeah. Of what's sexy and neat. Yeah, yeah. I like the Lex show a lot. And, you know, I I think parts of it transcend the mind of a 12-year-old. It is ridiculous. And, it, and it's fun. Um, I mean, because it's satirical in the way that it pokes fun at, well, pretty much everything in society. Um... I mean, Lex's existence, Lex's existence pokes fun at the base desires of society. She's what? Uh, a, a pleasure-giving lizard? Well, she was punished for her unwillingness to mold to a patriarchy society by being forced to become a sex slave. Mm-hmm. At her trial, I think they said uh, um, for failure to bend to the will of your husband, we sentence you to become a sex slave. You would think that she didn't have the temperament for that job. (laughs) Well, I mean, part of the sentence was uh, a mind alteration that would have reprogrammed her and made her a willing sex slave. And what's not to love about such high concept? Yeah, it's uh, definitely a commentary on the expectations of women's roles in society. And looking just beyond that, the surface of the 12 year old depiction of sexual fantasies, you see that depth 
kind of the same sort of thing that you get from Barbarella. It's a pretty... You use sexploitation as a way to empower women. I mean, okay, so she's empowered because she uses her sexy body to get what she wants. But you get to vicariously experience her using that sexy body. And it titillates you into enjoying her strong feminist... And that's that's a mechanism that's used again and again. We're going to make a strong female character, but we're going to make her really hot so people want to look at her. Mm-hmm. And then they never once think that there's a there's a strong woman expressing herself and getting what she wants because all they're seeing is hot girl grinding one out. <laughs> Some. Trying to remember how we started down this tangent. How do we start down any tangent? You know, sometimes these podcasts are just kind of free forms. What do we talk about? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I talk about something. We're ever on the path to making shit. And we haven't made shit yet. 81 episodes in. A brief winter hiatus, and we would have been at you know episode 100 by now. But a brief winter hiatus, and we still haven't made shit. Yeah, we made some goofy videos, but we haven't made any sketches. Yeah, because 100 Tacos does not a sketch make. No, goofy video. We'll have to revisit the Guinness World Record... <laughs> Video. Try that again. The cookie eating or... Yeah, the how many cookies can you eat in a minute. Yeah, but didn't we get slaughtered by a 12-year-old the last time? Or... 13. 13. She was 13. Okay. Yeah, she outperformed both Matt and myself combined. We'll We'll work on that, though. What I need to do is learn to swallow Oreo cookies whole. So I need to expand my throat to the size of an Oreo cookie. Yep. I'll need to wax my throat to make the cookie slide down faster. For days before the event, I will do nothing but drink olive oil and KY jelly. A squirt. I will squirt tubes of KY jelly down my throat, just to to keep a, a layer of waxy, lubricated buildup, like a mucus layer of KY down my throat. <laughs> that, <laughs> that way, when I insert the cookie, it will just slide down freely. So not really uh, good material for a, a sketch. However, I, I think we just did get uh, a couple of messages from some porn producers that uh, <laughs> want to talk to you. Why did they? <laughs> do they have projects up on Fluffer dot com? <laughs> Are they doing that porn crowdfunding we talked about last time? Remember that? That might have been an episode that I wasn't in. You were. It was in the last one. Really. <laughs> Fluffer.com? I don't remember that. The crowdfunding website for for uh, independent pornography movies. Okay. Maybe I do remember and I'm trying to forget. I'm trying to block it. I'm seeing where Fluffer.com takes me. Because the chances are, if you've thought of it... I'm not the first one. <laughs> oh, look at that. Gay porn. <laughs> Fortunately, it's coming from uh, your IP address. 
It's one of my websites. I deleted all those. Fluffer.net is for sale. How about... Fluffer.org, get it? Org. <laughs> Fluff.org. Crowdsourcing... Porn. Crowdfunding. Fluffer.org reroutes you to Hel- Kingfisher Hell Skiing. Okay, we have an April 14th, 2015 article on the Huffington Post. Uh, crowdsourced adult film series helps democratize porn. Well, yeah, definitely need to crowdsource, crowdfund that porn. So if you were kickstarting porn, what would your reward levels be? Obviously, one, five, ten dollars gets you a thank you. Twenty dollars, does that get you a, a downloadable digital copy? Fifty dollars, you get a a used sex toy. A t-shirt, dude. No, it costs more than that. Okay. Um, For $100, you get a copy of the porn and a t-shirt they use to clean their naughty bits off with. All right. So here's a 2013 article on a website called Fan Fund Triple X. Let's see if the link is still uh, active. Is it getting windy? Oh, yeah. Well, no. Oh, no, it's redirecting me. Okay. So I'm going to guess that uh, that site didn't survive. So don't go... Maybe I should just edit this out. We don't want to, like... We don't want to... Encourage people to go to a site that's rerouting them. Yeah, yeah. So what we're saying is there's no way to crowdfund your porn right now. I'm not entirely certain, but... uh, Maybe Indiegogo. You could probably... I mean, they have a low bar of entry. So you might have to do it, keep it with the mainstream resources if you're going to crowdfund your porn. I guess you're also going to have to keep it within the legal limits of, let's say, the United States. <laughs> I mean, we won't go crazy and like limit it to Arabic porn. Because that's just people dry humping and, like, you know, Burkas. Uh-huh. <laughs> two lesbians go at it in burkas. <laughs> it looks like those Muppet characters. <laughs> Are those Muppets? You know what I'm talking about? No. There you go. <laughs> the Meeps? They're Meeps, right? Who knows? They're something. They're tall people, and they're wearing pretty much fuzzy fur. That uh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's not that hot. No. Imagine dry humping a burka. It's probably not that sexy. Okay, we got uh, we got a big movie coming out next weekend. And it doesn't have any burkas in it that I'm aware of. But it does have raccoons and trees. So it's a movie with small furry animals and wood. Several small furry animals did gather in a cave to groove with depict. 
Yeah, so I'm all excited for what's it called? Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Volume two. Electric Boogaloo. Opens up Friday, advance showing on Thursday. And regardless of the writer's strike, it's going to open because it's already been shot. Well, yeah. Yeah, writers ain't stopping that. Matter of fact, it could give the movie a boost if there's nothing else to do. Yeah, nothing else is on. Let's go watch us some Guardians. Let's go watch Guardians for the fifth time. Well, I've seen Guardians 1, uh, geez, I don't know how many times. It's such a good movie. I maintain Guardians of the Galaxy is the best Marvel movie so far. I'm, I'm going to agree on that. I mean, it has everything. Heroes, villains. Uh, Starships. Ca- cast of great characters. Laser guns. Explosions. Yes. Yeah, it's a Marvel movie where it has all kinds of ships and all kinds of u- cosmic... Hot green chicks. Hot blue chicks. Hot blue chicks. Yeah, it's just, it's so good all across the board. You know, you will believe a raccoon can talk. (laughs) You will. To paraphrase. Feel love and compassion for a tree. It's not so really hard to believe with the whole you know, tree hugger thing. We love trees. Trees give life. We are genetically predisposed to love trees. In this case, trees kick ass. Groot kills some fuckers. He is a pretty mean son of a bitch. And apparently baby Groot wants to, like, blow shit up. I don't care. So they could recycle the same story and it'd be good. I'm pretty sure they are going to recycle the same story. Why would you not? <laughs> it's, I mean, Avengers, it was so damn successful. Avengers did it. You change the sets a little bit, introduce one or two more characters, and bam. There you go. Yeah, well, I think we're going to get um, Star-Lord's dad, though, in this one. Because it's going to be a Douglas, right? Kirk Douglas? Michael Douglas? Michael Douglas. I haven't read anything or seen any of the speculations. I'm trying to keep my ears and my brain virgin. Good luck with that. (laughs) You may have just defiled me. So I dig the way they've executed Thanos so far. Yeah. Um, he, He does look pretty badass. I don't know how they're going to go, how far they're going to go with his nihilistic tendencies or his outright nihilism, you know? I also don't know how are they going how they're going to remedy the gathering of all the infinity gems when so much of the universe requires their presence, right? I I think you're straying into territory where they don't care. They don't care. They're just going to pull those gems back and Well, there's so many of the Hydra outposts that kind of use that power, right? They're just kind of willy-nilly all over the place. It's going to fuck it's going to hose Avengers hard. So how many more Avengers movies are we slated for? Five, seven more? Avengers for the day is long. I want to see some She-Hulk. She-Hulk? Well, we're kind of getting... The next four movie is kind of... uh, We're venturing into World War Hulk and Planet Hulk. World War Hulk, Planet Hulk. And if we're doing that, give me some She-Hulk. Yeah. She-Hulk's one of my favorite characters. Is it because of the... uh, Green Hulk. The composed lawyer in the... Not at all. No? Hot Raging Green Hulk S. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're imagining 
boinking She-Hulk. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying raging hot green She-Hulk. But then I am waiting for the Fantastic Four to debut into this Marvel Cinematic Universe and away from Fox's mishandling. I think you're going to be waiting a while. Yeah, forever, apparently. I mean, we're going to get an Unhumans... Or Inhumans. We're going to get Inhumans before we get Fantastic Four. That's going to be on the small screen, isn't it? Yeah. But still, Inhumans. Are they going to release it as a I thought it was going to be on Netflix. I thought it going to be a Netflix thing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're going to get the Defenders, where you're going to get same old, same old, more of Jessica Jones and Nick Cage. Or Luke Cage. And... Iron Fist, and Daredevil, and The Hand, and Bebop, and Rocksteady. <laughs> I still have a hard time believing that Adam doesn't have the slightest idea of who the Inhumans are doesn't know who Medusa is. I mean, I guess he, he kind of knows who Black Bolt is. Well, Black Bolt is the Inhuman series now, but Medusa's not part of the Inhuman series now, right? Well, she's going to be in the uh, in the TV series. Well, the Inhumans that you, you're going to get is pretty much the Thunderbolts, isn't it? Uh, well, you've got Crystal, Gorgon, Karnak, Triton, Black Bolt, Maximus, Medusa, um... To me, that's begging for a tie-in to the Fantastic Four. Which we know, unfortunately, is not going to happen. So, one of the... Uh, some of the Hulk characters that I've always wanted to see since they brought the Hulk to the Marvels to the big screen years ago, I really wanted to see an abomination done correctly, and they did not do the abomination correctly. And I really wanted to see the UFOs <laughs> going back to the old to the Hulk um, in the two hundreds run, the, the latter half of the two fifties. He came across the UFOs, and they were a fun, super bad guy team to go against. You know, because it takes a team of people to fight the Hulk. Or an entire army. Yeah. Which Hulk had shades of brilliance with in the movie, but then, you know, you shoot long enough, you're going to get some things right, right? Yeah, you give a, give a movie four reboots... I mean, it hasn't worked out so far for Sony, but... Uh... No, no, but you know what? You get Spider-Man as Tony Stark's happy-go-lucky apprentice. Come on, Captain America, let's go get a... Wait a minute. That... Aren't you supposed to be... Comes across as kind of like a Bucky that never was. But they, they screwed Bucky over to make him Winter Soldier. So... Nobody ever got to love Bucky. Yeah, we, we didn't really dwell on the Bucky portions of Cap's history. In fact, Winter Soldier kind of looked out for Cap when he was in the neighborhood, right? Yeah. Right? So we never got that Bucky that Cap let down. We got that friend that Cap never lived up to. You know, it's a different dynamic. Cap let his friend down, so he never, ever lived up to his friend's expectations, or his perception of his friend's expectations of him. It's a whole lot different than Cap being the Batman, like in that Batman role, where he let Robin down, right? You know, he lost Robin. He lost Bucky. You know? Kind of like little shades of what they hinted at in uh, Superman, Batman versus Superman, Batman v Superman, where 
you see the Robin costume, you see the ha ha ha, you see the the note that Bruce reads, you know, you let your family die. And yeah, you can see that turn on Batman bitter, but you never got the why, you know? It's unless you had a whole lot of backstory knowledge. From reading the comics, yeah. Yeah. Reading Batman schizophrenic comics, you know, the five, seven issues of Batman coming out every month. To know that, hell, there was a Robin and he died. But that wasn't the Robin that's alive now. Or that wasn't the Nightwing that was the original Dick Grayson. He moved on. He's like, Bats, you're fucking crazy. You gotta quit doing this to kids. So is Batman a serial oppressor? No, he's just single-mindedly unstable. He has a goal, and God help you if you're stupid enough to help him. But they're doing something different with Tony Stark and Spider-Man because he's finally, like, taking Spidey under his wing. Oh, look, you're little, you little mutated kid with the spider powers. I'll help you a little bit. Your powers make you strong and fast, and you got some type of little spider sense thing. But you know what? You don't really have good powers. You don't really have a good suit. I'll give you my suit if you... I'll give you this spider suit. It's going to enhance you. It's going to make you a well-rounded hero, but then you better do what I say. You know, listen to me. I'm well-adjusted. Don't do... Do what I say, not what I do. I made all the mistakes for you. (laughs) Just don't do any of those. And you can play with my toys. Thank you, Mr. Musk. He's, He's practically... You know, it, it sounds like the story of almost every music group dealing with a recording company. Sure, you got talent, kid, but if you want to make it big, I'll get you to my studios with my producers. As long as you play ball and make and play the shows the way we tell you how to play them, we'll all go far in this business. Which is why they tried to make a Spider-Man musical. Yeah, but their wire foo was bad. <laughs> and practically killed the Spider-Man. Oh. So if we're going to talk about the Avengers and talk about scenes that suspended disbelief, when... When Iron Man's buddy... Rhodey falls out of the sky and lands in the field, crashes in the field. Mm -hmm. A fall from that height when you're inside a steel box would turn you into liquid. You would be liquefied. Well, he had the Iron Man shock absorbers working for him. (laughs) You know, it, it doesn't matter... If you have armor on, it's the deceleration. It's not that. Vibranium absorbs all the Gs. Uh-huh. Your your body is decelerating from 200 miles an hour to zero in the space of less than a second. He skidded. No, he, 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 came created, in a, he created a crater. There was a crater in the ground. There was no skidding. There was no bleed off of energy. There was... Vibranium. Yeah. Have you not looked at the energy dispersing effects of vibranium? Have you not read the white papers from Stark Industries? Yeah. So, that he, is... He was hurt. Oh, yeah, he was hurt, but... In in reality, he would have been liquefied. He, he was he, hurt. Captain would have popped off the mask, and Vibranium. blood would have gushed out. Vibranium. The the bones would have been pulverized. The muscle and blood would have every cell in his body would have been ruptured, and there would be nothing but blood and ooze inside the suit. Again, yeah. Vibranium. I got your vibranium right here. They have vibranium. Vibranium does exactly that. <clears throat> it absorbs G-forces. It, it doesn't matter how much energy you absorb. The body still is slowing from 200 to zero 
within a few milliseconds. It's the same reason that when Superman tried to catch Lois Lane, his arms would have sliced her in half because she's falling at 150 miles an hour and he has the arms of steel. And have when you he catches never, her... Have you never watched or read a Superman comic? He doesn't... It looks like he just holds his hands out and catches her. But you know what he's really doing? I suppose you're going to say he's matching her velocity he, and then gently he, cradling her. He is... He is in the space... He's Superman, so he's super. So in the space of several millimeters, he is repeatedly... Touching her and softening her, matching the velocity, smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, slowing her down. It looks seamless to you because you don't have supervision. Mm. If you did have supervision, you would see how he gently caught her. Okay. You know what style of catch that's called? Vibranium. (laughs) (laughs) He vibrated her slower in the space of... Roughly two millimeters. But it looks, it was imperceptible to the mortal eye. Superman did what Rhodes' suit did. It gently decelerated him in the space of a few milliseconds. And in the physical space of a couple of millimeters. You can't do that because you're not from Krypton. So I don't fault you well, for... Well, neither is the vibranium. No, no, but it, it, it was inspired by magical mumbo-jumbo. <laughs> <laughs> Titanium, adamantium, vibranium, unobtainium. It all comes from the same place. There's a big bullshit mine on the other side of Uranus. <laughs> Hollywood writers have been going there for decades. <laughs> Mining the bullshit with gobbledygook words. Presenting you with unsatisfactory explanations for why something worked or didn't work. Sometimes they get nuggets. Sometimes they get whole shafts, whole veins of gold in those bullshit mines, like Rogue One. Yeah. They struck a vein of bullshit in that mine, and they made everyone believe it. It worked. So, as long as we're having an orgy of comic books, which we vowed we should never do... um, When is Wonder Woman coming out? It's coming out pretty soon. Well, we're going to transplants in 20 minutes. So Wonder Woman comes out June 2nd. We're a month away. We're almost exactly a month away. So Wonder Woman's... Stars James T. Kirk, who in a transporter accident is transported back to World War I Earth. Uh, if by James T. Kirk you mean Gal Gadot? Chris Pine? Uh, yeah, uh, Chris Pine's there. Steve Trevor? Captain Kirk. Sure, Captain Kirk is transported back to World War II where he meets an Amazonian princess. And she tries to help him to find his way back to McCoy. Well, Spock has set a beacon, but they have to fabricate synthetic trilithium. They've got to get some trilithium. Now, Wonder Woman thinks she knows where some is because she saw a vibranium mine <laughs> somewhere in, in the... Somewhere in the vicinity of Uranus. Yes. 
So if you go to the IMDb page for Wonder Woman, there is a countdown clock. 31 days, 3 hours, 46 minutes, and 43 seconds. All right. Till Wonder Woman is released. Till Wonder Woman is really like the Kraken on men's pants everywhere. Now, at this point in the pre-release of a movie, especially a big, what you hope is going to be a summer blockbuster, would you expect to be seeing trailers, publicity? You've seen trailers for Wonder Woman? Yeah, I've seen trailers in the movie theaters. I haven't seen any ads. I haven't seen any print campaigns. Mm, I see what you're saying. We're not seeing the mainstream media. We're not seeing Wonder Woman toys. We're not seeing... Do you think it's because they're going to let Guardians have this space right now? I mean, Guardians is one of the biggest Marvel movies ever. Yeah. It's coming up in a week. It's owning all the space. Wonder Woman's a big property. But what if Guardians is buying all the space? You're saying they just can't afford to put ads out? because I'm saying Guardians is buying the space and, and to compete. You're saying they're cock-blocking them? Is it cock-blocking? Group-blocking? They're clam-jamming Wonder Woman? <laughs> that was actually kind of funny yes they are clam jamming wonder woman wouldn't you i mean that's a tough space to compete in you're gonna throw tens of millions of dollars in advertising space to go against a tree raccoon But Wonder Woman has Amazons. Yeah, but it's and also Captain Kirk. It's also got bad press from the last movie. You mean that uh, Batman v Superman debacle? Yeah, yeah. But the only good part of that movie was Wonder Woman. <laughs> I know. So you 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 don't. You should, they're not coming from a place with a head full of steam here. <laughs> They're going, look, we're the best thing in that last piece of shit, and now we have a movie? And this is not exactly a world that embraces strong female leads. As good as Lucy did, it didn't do that well. I mean, it did better than Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's another question. And um, Ghost in the Shell was pretty darn excellent. I thought it was. Um, I thought they did a pretty good job of taking the spirit of the anime and bringing it forward. They even did a great deal to alleviate the question as to why this person doesn't look as Asian as she should or could. I mean, aside from the fact that the character in the anime didn't look particularly Asian. Yeah, she had an Asian name, but, you know, that's a name. She didn't look obviously white, but she didn't look obviously Asian. And I've watched a lot of anime, and they can make them look both if they want. She rode that middle ground, and Scarlett Johansson rode that middle ground. They darkened her hair up. They softened her features. They even gave her a backstory of an Asian mom. So they did a little bit of change and stuff there in the movie. It wasn't just a scene-for-scene scene remake. But it was still good. You know, I wanted some more of the supporting character stories. I wanted some more, say, adherence to the original story because you had this idea that these ghosts were somewhat evolving or existed but really, Project 2751 or whatever it was, was a new entity. And they didn't really make you feel like, like that. They actually gave the backstory of the other project being someone, you know, some type of outsider castaway runaway like her that the society wouldn't miss. You know? So they didn't go with the whole, yeah, you've got ghosts in the shells. You've got ghosts in the shell but you also now have a sentient 
artificial intelligence that claims he's just as valuable, just as real, and just as alive as all of you ghosts in your shell. They never gave you that um, conflicting view of life. What constitutes life if you don't have a human body anymore? And really, wasn't that the whole story of the original Ghost in the Shell? That was definitely the question of Ghost in the Shell. Right. And they come, the whole story was, we've got to find this bad guy, we've got to find this bad guy, we've got to find this bad guy. But this bad guy wasn't a guy at all. It was an AI. And it was seeking to kind of meld with Major... To, to replicate itself and make them both something more than they were, to actually procreate and evolve. So in the anime, um, they called the bad guy Puppet Master. Mm-hmm. And that was something that they kind of skimmed over in the movie. Right, just the one trash guy kind of got touched on that, but... They didn't tell you that they hinted that it could happen, but they didn't have it happen anymore. And they didn't have it a constant threat. They didn't have to say, hey, when you get puppeted by the puppet master, when you're in a goat, when when your ghost is in a shell, you could lose who you are. You know, your your identity could be gone like it was with the assassin garbage man guy. So I, I I thought that Ghost in the Shell should have done better, could have done better. Um, again, was it marketed correctly? I know. See, movies are so kind of – they have so much money from studios in them. I mean, because you can say, well, it's just a movie, so you should adhere to the material as closely as possible, right? But – once you got two guys or three guys investing $10 million in a movie, then those two or three guys, they have a say in how they want that investment to be used, right? And they say, well, I believe a movie should have this quality. And the other guy says, I believe a movie should have this quality. And the last guy says, I believe a movie have this quality. And since you owe those guys a return on their work, they have the input. But when a movie costs $150 million to make, when it's the lion's share of a studio's investment, Right, And now it's not just like three guys that might not eat tomorrow if that investment goes down the drain, but it's 3,000 people and 30,000 workers connected to that. Everybody's on pins and needles trying to say, well, maybe we shouldn't adhere so closely to the source material because it's going to turn people off. And if it turns people off, we're not going to get $150 million back and 30,000 families aren't going to eat. So according to Box Office Mojo, the production budget, which is excluding any uh, promotion distribution, was $110 million for Ghost in the Shell. So that's a lot of studio weight bringing down on you to say, you know what, let's not go with this uh, esoteric consciousness question thing, because that's going to turn off our audience of Trump voters. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to get it. Got to work in the Trump hate there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> they want to see boobies. They want to see Scarlett Johansson boobies and butt. That was a selling point for me. Yeah, yeah. Just like under the skin. I, I actually I haven't seen that. Yeah, I, I know I should, um, just because you know it's got button boobies. Button boobies. So, but you have. To really weigh that, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, if you if you make a $5 million movie and you fund it all yourself, the only one who gets to say so is you. But if you have $110 million, a studio's money behind you, and everybody's future's on the line, you're trying to ride that middle ground into mainstream success. Yeah, but the, the end product was pretty good. It was, given all that. And it still got torpedoed by... Social Reviewers. justice warriors yeah. who were claiming it was whitewashed. It would never would have it would never would have gotten a hundred million dollars behind it without Scarlett Johansson. 
So in comparison, Lucy, which was made four years earlier, or three years earlier, uh, had a $40 million budget. Mm-hmm. So less than half the budget. And Lucy had pretty intense special effects in it. Lucy, and it was a, quite an esoteric movie. In fact, it was a very similar movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, with evolving into a, a transcendental state, right? That was the whole sure. point of Lucy. She was becoming something more than human. Yes. Well, it happens. $40 million, though, these days is not considered... Um, that was forty million tent, just three years ago. A tentpole movie. It's not a tentpole movie. You know, forty million dollars now is like twenty million dollars five years ago. It's like two million dollars twenty years ago. I'm just talking out of my ass here. <laughs> I'm gonna throw out some numbers, and no one's gonna challenge me. Someone give me two million dollars to make a movie. I'm gonna like shit myself. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> Somebody gave you ten thousand dollars to make a movie. You'd shit yourself. I know. Can't even buy a good camera for ten thousand dollars. Well, assuming you already had the camera and everything. Yeah. Like if someone gave me a paycheck to make ten thousand, gave me a paycheck of ten thousand yeah. dollars to make a movie, I would be pretty happy. But it can't take too long because I still have a real job. <laughs> Now, if they gave me $2 million to make a movie, I'd make the best movie ever, I would think. But that aside, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, the Wonder Woman coming out. I think it's going to be fun and awesome. I don't know if it's going to do Lucy money. Now, what does box office mojo say about the budget? Uh, Projected budget not available. Damn it. Okay. So they don't have any numbers on on Wonder Woman yet. Well, so far, Ghost in the Shell has made what Lucy's made. They're $126 million worldwide so far. Um, yeah, 126 worldwide. Oh, Lucy was... But Lucy was almost half a billion worldwide. Oof. Well, I'd call Wonder Woman a success if it pulls that kind of money. Oh, yeah. Um, so here's hoping because I mean it does look like a pretty badass show I mean every, everything I've seen from the Wonder Woman previews looks really good wow okay Batman versus Superman uh, when you look at the worldwide that is far from a failure uh, we're talking 873 million, million. domestic 300,000 or 300 million and that's a huge budget, though. $250 million budget. Well, there's a reason that there's obviously going to be a Justice League movie, because it does warrant it. So, despite your claims of uh, critics panning uh, Batman versus Superman, it almost made a billion dollars. And although... You know, you can't really claim it made a billion dollars because the production and distribution costs. Well, critical acclaim has never equaled success. Yeah. What's um, good and quality does not make money all the time. But if you look at it from the studio point of view, that's a success. That's why there's going to be another one. Let's uh, let's say your production budget is uh, $250 million. Let's say your promotion and distribution was another two hundred million. You're still talking about five hundred million in worldwide totals, even after you pay for your production and distribution. Yeah, you make a couple of those a year, and you got a billion dollar company. Yeah, billion dollars ain't nothing to sneeze at. That's a tent pole that Scarlett Johansson would respect. She makes billion dollar movies too. Or she can make many movies to make a billion dollars. I think Ghost in the Shell is going to do well over the next few more weeks. I think it's going to wrap up at probably somewhere near there. And I think Wonder Woman will as well. I think it'll be great if Wonder Woman pulls in the same box office as Batman v Superman. Because it's just her. You're going to get a little bit of Aquaman in there, right? Yeah. So, Aquaman, hey, hey. 
So good stuff, but until then, I got a raccoon and a tree to go watch. And a green chick and a blue chick. (sighs) Green and blue. Which would make Captain Kirk's head spin. Yeah. Put green and blue together and you get grew. Karen Gillian in... Zoe Saldano. Zoe Don't. You can remember their act. You can remember the actresses' names, but you can't remember the characters. Uh huh. The blue chick. That's how I am. The blue chick. Yes. You're making me blank on it. Gamora. Okay, Nebula and Gamora. So, what do you get when you cross the green chick and the blue chick, Nebula and Gomorrah? Do you get Gru? (laughs) Leave your comment. Leave it in the comment section below. Nebmora? Nebmora. Nebmora? That's not bad. Nebmora. That's not bad. Nebmora. All right, everybody. If you're going to go out and watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2... Leave comments in the comment section below, and we might pick your name at random and give you a set of Desperate Mother's trading cards. Maybe even a patch or a sticker. We've got those. Bookmarks, patches, trading cards, a whole bunch of shit you don't want. You really do. They're pretty awesome. Thanks for listening to the Desperate Mother's podcast. I'm CJ Watson. And I am Jack Fisher. Hop on. Hop on.